Welcome to Lorica, the podcast of Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. St. Patrick's is a parish in the Antiochian Orthodox Christian Archdiocese of North America, serving the Western Rite. Father Patrick is also the administrator of the Orthodox West. Our Gospel lesson today includes uh, two healing stories. The first is the healing of the leper, and the second of the centurion's servant. And this morning I want to take a look at the healing of the leper. We just heard this passage after he came down from the mountain. He had just preached the Sermon on the Mount, and he's coming from that great address. Large crowds followed him, Matthew says, and a leper approached him and bowed low before him or worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing, be clean. Immediately, his leprosy was cleansed and then Jesus said to him, see that you do not speak to anyone, But go, show yourself to the priest, and then bring the offering that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. In Leviticus chapter 13, um, there are detailed instructions for determining whether someone uh, was unclean or a leper. They were thoroughly examined by the priest, and depending on the condition of whatever infection they were suffering from, or disease, it could have been, there's all kinds of things listed, a white spot, a boil, swelling, baldness, discoloration, a skull, a burn. Depending on whatever it was they were suffering from, after the examination, they would be quarantined. I know everybody gets PTSD from that word, but they would be quarantined for seven days, and then the whole examination would go over again. They would be examined again, and then they would be quarantined again for another seven days before a final decision was made. But after a whole lot of trouble, uh, the person would be labeled, diagnosed, clean or unclean, (laughs) clean or unclean. Now, life was not good for the person who was pronounced a leper, unclean. It was not a happy life. The disease the disease was not just a medical condition as well, but it was, it was a symbol of sin. The person was unclean because of sin before God. They were physically shamed in how they had to present themselves. They had to tear their clothes. They had to leave their hair uncovered and unbound. It even says they couldn't cover their mustache. Or they had, no, they had to cover their mustache, I think it was. And whenever anybody came near, you've heard this, they had to shout out really loud, Unclean, unclean. Because if someone touched them, then they would be contaminated. And they would become ritually unclean. The worst of it, though, the worst of it, beyond just the shame and all of that, the worst of it was they were cut off from the community. They were required, actually, to live in isolation. They were banished from society, pushed outside the camp, and excluded 
To be cut off from your community is not just to be cut off from your family and your community, it's to be cut off from God. Because where does God dwell? He dwells in the tabernacle in the center of the community. That's where the holy place is. That's where God is, right in the middle, in the midst of the community. You're pushed out. You're banished. You're excluded. You're cut off. So to be a leper, to be unclean, to be shamed and exiled, this was really a living death. It was horrible. Just like Adam and Eve that were banished from paradise. Tragedy. A great sadness. So the man that approached Jesus this morning in our story and bowed before him and worshipped him and begged him to heal him, he was one of these. He was a leper. An unclean Jew, shamed and cut off from society. A walking dead man. Jesus replied, I am willing. And he reached out and he touched him, which he wasn't supposed to do, of course. But because Jesus is life and holiness and purity, which is much more powerful than death and uncleanness and sin, Jesus was not contaminated, but rather the man was healed. Now, after the man was healed by Jesus, Jesus gave him some instructions. He said, I want you to go to the priest, and I want you to show yourself to the priest, and then I want you to bring the offering that Moses commanded. Now, this is a little thing tacked on to the end of Matthew's story here, and I figured, since I couldn't trust most of you to go home and read Leviticus 13 and 14 on your own, I would just do it for you. So it seemed like a good idea at the time, but that's what we're talking about today is Leviticus. It's your uh, beachside reading. Uh, But maybe you never bothered to find out what it was that Moses commanded. So it's quite interesting if you happen to look it up. What was Jesus actually telling this man that he needed to do in response to being healed? I think we sometimes have this idea that, you know, it's just kind of like easy peasy. You know, this whole thing about being saved, being restored to the communion with God and his body. That, you know, it's just a word and great, it's all done. It's easy. Make a joyful noise. Um... What was this offering Moses commanded to the cleansed leper that he bring? Well, this is what he uh, this is what he tells us in fourteen. So I, I mentioned to you Leviticus thirteen is, was the examination to determine whether a man and it was very complicated or woman when a person was unclean. In chapter fourteen, we find the answer about what happens when a person has been potentially cleansed and. 14 verse 1 begins, the Lord spoke to Moses. The Lord, so this is a direct communication from God to Moses. And what follows there in chapter 14 are all these complex, very complex instructions for what to do when a person thinks they might have been cleansed from leprosy. And these detailed instructions are given to Moses, as I said, directly from the Lord. And as we look uh, briefly this morning at Leviticus chapter 14, And as we have heard and read the story of Jesus healing this leper and then instructing the leper to go now and follow these very requirements that are recorded for us in Leviticus 14, we need to keep in mind, I'd like for us to keep in mind this morning, just who the Lord is who gave Moses these instructions. It says the Lord spoke to Moses. Who? (laughs) Who is the Lord? The Lord here in Leviticus 14 who gave these instructions several thousand years ago to Moses 
to determine whether a leper is cleansed and what that cleansed leper should do is the very same person, exactly the same person, telling this leper to go and fulfill these requirements. The Lord in Leviticus is Jesus. It is Jesus. The same exact person who's standing in front of this leper who he just cleansed, and he's referring him back to his original directive that came through Moses in Leviticus. So let's just keep that in mind. I think that's really important for us to keep in mind. This is the same person. Just like the detailed examination Jesus told Moses to conduct for an unclean person, Jesus also prescribed a detailed examination to determine if a person had been cleansed. Thousands of years ago, he did this. <laughs> the priest doing the examination, by the way, was not cleansing the person. This is very clear. He's just providing a diagnosis. The priest is the public health inspector. It is very clear to the Jew that God is the physician. God is the healer. And in our gospel story, Jesus tells the man, go show yourself to the priest. That's what he's saying. He's referring him back to this requirement of a leper who thinks they've been cleansed, they need to be examined thoroughly and pronounced either clean or, no, you're still unclean. But then he says, offer the gift that Moses commanded. So, in other words, offer the gift that I told Moses to tell you is required many thousands of years ago. So there's first this examination and then there's a gift required for the cleansed person in order to complete their restoration to the community, to the society. This was required to, make, to complete things. And the rituals required to be pronounced cleaned were very long and complicated. And they are befitting of such a serious condition as being dead to society, cut off from God because of sin. It's a very serious matter and requires very intense and deliberate response for restoration to life and community. So it was no easy manner. Now, just in case you forgot, and I didn't make it clear enough, I just want to remind you that um, it's the same Jesus who healed this man, who told him to follow all these requirements in Leviticus 14, that's the same person who gave all the requirements to Moses from the cloud. Same person, many years earlier. So first the person, the, the, the cleansed person, supposed cleansed person, is examined by the priest, and that's done outside the camp, because he can't be inside the camp. He's restricted to be outside of the community. And the priest determines whether he has been healed and cleansed by God. If they are, uh, then they're just welcomed home and there's a big party. No, that's not what happens. So they're not just welcomed home and there's not just a big party. Actually, in order for them to be readmitted into society, they have to offer the four mandatory main types of sacrifice. And that's what Jesus meant when he said, go and offer what Moses commanded you to offer. There were four sacrifices this man had to go offer. Um, they were a purification offering, a burnt offering, reparation offering, and a cereal offering. So if you got a clean bill of health in your examination, you were to provide, I'm going to give you some details, because I know they're riveting and you're all fascinated and interested to hear them, uh, from Leviticus 14. You were required to offer, you had to bring two birds, so there were two birds in this 
It's interesting. One was killed, and its blood was mixed with some clean water in an earthen vessel. Um, and some of this blood mixture and water was sprinkled on the man with a piece of cedar wood, a scarlet cord, and some hyssop. And then the living bird was also dipped in the blood, and then he was sent free to fly away. Uh, the man then, after this initial cleansing outside the camp, this was all done outside the camp, had to shave his entire body and wash himself in his clothes. At that point, he was allowed to enter the camp, but he couldn't go home. He couldn't go back to his tent. He had to just like roam around the streets. He wasn't allowed back in the house. He had to roam around for seven days. After seven days, he had to shave again, and then he had to bathe. And then he was allowed to go to the next phase, which was to enter the tabernacle on the following day. That was on the seventh day. On the eighth day, he was allowed to go back into the tabernacle, and that's when all of these other rites uh, had to be performed of offering the sacrifices in order for him to be reintegrated into society. Now, I'm not going to get into all the details. We don't have time this morning about the two birds and what this one meant and what that one meant, other than to say that the sprinkling of blood <clears throat> And all of these rites of purification remind us of many things that are taking place on the Day of Atonement and other purification rites. So the man, as I said, he was, he was required to live out his, his tent for seven days. And his reintegration was not complete until the eighth day. I'd just like to draw a little attention to that. Uh, most of you probably know that eight is an important number and the eighth day is an important number. It was on the eighth day that he was able to offer sacrifice again in the tabernacle and restore his communion with God and the community. A child is circumcised, baptized on the eighth day, named on the eighth day. Sunday is the eighth day. So the eighth day is the day of the eschaton. It's the day of the resurrection. It's the day of the new birth. That's what we believe and teach, even in the Old Testament, the New Testament, and in the church. Well, this is the... This is a new birth for this leopard. He was dead, in a sense. He was dead and he's brought back to life. He's restored on the eighth day. It's complete. But still, there are mandatory sacrifices that must be offered. A burnt sacrifice, cereal offering, purification offering, and reparation offering. So, all of these sacrifices include two flawless male lambs, one flawless female lamb, three-tenths of an ephah of choice wheat mixed with olive oil and a log of olive oil. The purification rite was to cleanse the sanctuary. The burnt offering brought the man's reconciliation with God, sort of a rededication of his life to God after being cut off. The cereal offering was a pledge of loyalty and allegiance. You and you alone I will serve. And then the other one, it's interesting, the reparation offering. That's a bit more enigmatic. Now, his disease could have been caused by some trespass that he had committed that he's even unaware of. You know, we commit secret sins, known and unknown. We talk about this in our confession. It's also in David talks about this in the Psalms. You can, a lot of times in today's day and age, you know, well, I didn't mean it, right? Like, that doesn't work in Christianity or in the scriptures. You're, a sin is a sin, whether you meant it or not. That's very, very important. So the spirit of the age does not like, help us understand that. 
Sin is a sin whether you meant it or not. Okay? And there are consequences as well. So a reparation often was required for a trespass. And they offered it, you know, maybe there's something that caused this disease uh, that I'm not even aware of. And there's many examples of this, by the way, in the Old Testament, of reparation offerings uh, being offered for trespasses of seeker sins that people didn't even realize they had committed. I mean, Cyprian, he was washed, cleansed of his analogous guilt from Adam this morning. He didn't do anything. He's free of all personal guilt, and yet he's guilty. Well, not anymore. He's holy right now. Most holy person in the room, at least for a little while, until he messes it up again, but he probably got a little bit longer than the rest of us before that happens. Anyway, also this reparation offering. is very interesting. Um, maybe this was offered to compensate, to compensate for the loss of sacrifices, first fruits, tithes, that the man didn't offer all the time he was outside of the camp. He wasn't allowed to offer God gifts of sacrifices, tithes, and first fruits. And so he's making repar reparation. He's compensating for that loss. That's very important. Anyway, there's a lot of other details about how and where the offerings were to be made, how the blood was smeared. It was on this right earlobe, right thumb, and right toe of the, the, the man. Um, how he was anointed with the olive oil, the priest in his left hand, and how the priest was to make atonement for him and how he would be made clean. Lots of complex details and lots of ritual. Now, there was also an accommodation if the person was poor, they didn't have to offer three lambs, but they did have to offer one. In any case, no matter how poor they were, there was at least one lamb offered and, and some more birds. Once all this was done, the person was readmitted to life in the community and was permitted to reintegrate into the liturgical life of offering sacrifices. They were once again clean, a clean and acceptable worshiper to God. So you get yourself examined by the priest, Jesus told the, law, the uh, leper, after he cleansed him, and then he says, then I want you to offer the gifts that Moses commanded. That's what he meant <laughs> by all of that. You wouldn't have known that if you didn't take Leviticus to the beach this summer to read chapters 13 and 14, but now you know. And just in case you forgot, it was Jesus who set all these regulations up and spoke to Moses directly and told him what to write down. And re requirements were, were, were there. Obviously, in our day, since the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, upon the altar of the cross, we no longer walk through this kind of ceremony and ritual and offer these kinds of sacrifices. And yet, we do offer God's sacrifice the one and only sacrifice that is pleasing to God. The one and only sacrifice that could ever make us acceptable to God. And that is we offer Christ himself in the Eucharist upon the heavenly altar. We offer Christ. And we are joined by faith in the Holy Spirit to Christ himself, the sacrificial lamb who is ever present before God in heaven on the altar. That is the only way that we could ever be considered worthy before God, is in Christ. Now the newness of the new covenant does not abrogate 
the character, the meaning of the old. It's not new in the sense of being something completely different. It is new only in the sense that it is the fulfillment of the old. The meaning and character of what was being communicated by Jesus himself to Moses, it's the same person, it's not a different God. Jesus who hung on the cross and told this leper to go do this for his various purposes, which we haven't gotten into this morning, is the same one who established these very things and told Israel, this is how it shall be done. The thing hasn't been lessened. What was said in the old, in the new, is not dissipated. It's not lessened. It doesn't become less real, less concrete, less tangible. That's what we think. It's actually intensified, solidified in the very body of Christ. Everything is formalized to the nth degree in the new. It is made immutable, eternal, and unchanging. There is the form comes with Christ. The faux form, the shadow, the old is a shadow. A shadow is not a form. Shadow is a shadow. There's a shadow and there's a form. We think of the old as being the concrete, tangible, you know. No, it's the shadow. The form comes in the new. In the new covenant, things become more real. More strict. You have heard it said. To murder. But I say to you. Just to be angry. Things get harder. In the new. Except now you have the power. Because you have the Holy Spirit. To actually walk them out. But they get more serious. More solidified. More formalized. I just thought we should keep these things in mind. That they should sort of shape our understanding of our Christian life and our Christian sacrifice and what it means to worship God. Because the same person who healed the leper with a word also gave these instructions in the Old Covenant. And it's important that we understand our Christian faith in the light of this. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. This has been a production of the Orthodox West.